Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. We have another question back on the pre-trip thing. We're going to keep going on that. This is the last one on that topic, I think, and then we're going to get it in a few different Bible questions. But this is from Danny Brown, and he asked specifically, uh, this was another pre-trip person, and which is great. I love that you guys are having these discussions with people. Hey, this is what I believe. Uh, we have a brother in Christ who just contacted us that's debating the topic actually coming up, and we're going to be sitting down with him soon. So this is great. These are good discussions to have because— I remember, and man, I, I hate to you know pigeon, pigeon or you know take us down down a rabbit trail here, but I remember being convicted because I knew someone was actually talking on the streets about pre and post trib with someone. I said, "Well, how could you really witness about that out on the streets?" And I'm sitting there, and this guy next to me starts yelling out at the preacher, and then he comes to me and he says. You think God's so good, he's just going to take all the Christians away and just let us be blasted here by the devil? And I was like, I was just thinking, why would someone say on the street? And next thing I know, I'm having a conversation with this guy about post-trib, and I shared the gospel with him, and he actually repented right there and gave his life to Christ. And so I was— I, Repented the post-trib? No, repented and turned to Christ. No, repented and turned to Christ. Uh, he had a change of heart and change of mind and not Praise just on the, the rapture. So That's it was awesome. actually pretty cool because he saw the other position um, that is actually a biblical one, you know, because that's the most important thing. Uh, hearts and feelings and stuff are great, but the most important thing is what does the scripture say? And so I, I was convicted about that. So it's great to see people having these discussions. And I do think this is exactly how you grow and say, wait a second, I have to present the things which I'm finding in scripture to someone else and say, well, wait a second, this is what the scriptures say. And this is what's happened when Danny was, was doing that. He said, if post-trib, if, if the rapture is post-trib, then we know when the rapture happens. And if we know when it happens, people will just live in sin until the end and get right with God, and they'll time it and get it right before right before the end. What do you say? It sounds that? like he's not saying that, but he's saying this is what the, the pre-tripper was saying. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's not a very good argument, especially when you look at the context of when Jesus said, of that day, an hour knoweth no man. Uh, and you'll understand what I'm saying in regard to that in a moment, where that actually is on post-trib turf. It actually, you want to use that verse? What I love is when I'm talking to pre-trippers, I feel bad for them because the verses that they're trying to use are always in a post-trip context. You know, if there's any context as far as timing goes, I should say it's always in a post-trip context, never in a pre-trip context, even that verse, which is kind of ironic, you know. But it's interesting because uh, Kirk Cameron, he was the pre face of pre-tribulationism for a while because he was the star of the Left Behind movies and so forth. And uh, he visited our fellowship off and on and, and uh and he came to me one time, I should say, I was told about, hey, Kirk Cameron, his wife are here. I didn't know what they looked like. I didn't watch, is it Growing Pains? Yeah. I didn't even know what he looked like. And I said, here, you have to take me to him. And, and I said, hey, you know, thanks for coming, da, 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 He goes, hey, I'm the pre-trib guy. Left Behind just came out that night before, Saturday night. It came out on, uh, I think, I was told it came out on Saturday night on, uh, a gal had just watched it that evening. So maybe she got a day or two earlier, but it, they put it on a video first before the movies. So trying to get people to go to the movies and watch it. And you're supposed to get your, you know, people, uh, friends, family, whatever, and take them to the theater after you watch it, get excited about it. And uh, he said, but after hearing three of your messages on the post-trib rapture, 
He goes, I went to seminary under John MacArthur. He goes, you know, I, I, that's all I ever heard was that view. He goes, but wow, it's it, it looks like it's post-trib. And I love it when somebody's open to the truth and they've been schooled a certain way. And he goes, and, and we got together. I went to his house and stuff. and we went to the scripture and stuff like that. But I hadn't seen him for some time. And I was wondering where he was at on that issue. And then I saw an article that he wrote uh, for Living Waters Ministry with Ray Comfort. He's also a friend of ours and great guy. Uh, but with uh, and that article was uh, was basically whether you're going to be raptured or should we stay behind, you know? And he argued in the, there that the part of the church should be that we want to be here during that time, just like Paul was torn between two desires. And uh, the article was clearly about, hey, why would God take, basically take us out? We have evangelism to do. But then I saw him uh, at a, uh, we got together because we got together with a uh, somebody for a pro-life banquet. Both of us were asked to be speakers at this pro-life banquet. And we met the lady that was putting it on. And, hey, Kirk, how you doing? And he said, Joe, I'm so post-trib. But he goes, but friend of mine, you know, is in the scriptures and stuff. And he's he's giving me the scripture. But of this, that day and that hour, knoweth no man. And if you're post-trib, then you could know the day and the hour, he's saying. So it must be referring to a pre-trib rapture and, and not in a post-trib context. And I said, Kirk, let's go to that passage and let's look at the context. And you go to that passage in Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. So when that's taken from its context, you can try to make some kind of argument that, well, then you could know when the Antichrist sets up himself in the temple of God, show himself that he is God and sets the abomination of desolation up. And then, you know, 1260 days later, he's destroyed. And since he's killed, you know, uh, you know, then we'll know when the rapture is going to take place and so forth. Well, <clears throat> it sounds like a good argument because no one knows the day and the hour, but let's look a little bit clo- more closely at this. First of all, the argument doesn't work because when Jesus says, but of that day, Chad, of that day, is he say this in a vacuum? Is there no context? We always say read before and read after. That's one of the general and most, you know, known roles of hermeneutics is context is always king. And But of that day, now according to pre-trib, he's talking about the rapture, the pre-trib rapture. He didn't mention any pre-trib rapture. They asked him, when will these things be the destruction of the temple? I'll be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. Okay? So that's what he's asked about. And Jesus never says, you know, I mean, he starts off by warning them about the signs of the times, birth pains, and then he says, you know, they'll hand you over to, they'll be, hand you over to tribulation and you'll be killed. Wait a minute. How could they be handed over to tribulation at the beginning of the tribulation period and be killed if the church was just raptured? Because he says, for my namesake. You'll be hated for my namesake. Well, how are people being killed right after the rapture, preacher rapture, for Christ's namesake? It would be a non-event. There'd be no Christians to kill. doesn't make any sense. But he doesn't talk about any preacher rapture there. He brings them through the abomination of desolation. There'll be a falling away first, he says, the abomination of desolation, you know, the Antichrist. And then his coming, just like Paul said, abomina- uh, abomination or apostasy, since the temple of God showed himself he's God, then the rapture. Same, same, and that's the way the church had always understood it. But it's interesting. Let's go back to the text. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. But of that day, what day is he talking about? Back up a few verses, back up just a few verses, verse 29. But immediately after the tribulation of those days, that's post-trib, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give us light, the powers of heaven will be shaken. Uh, and he says, and then the sign of the Son of Man, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the tribes of the earth will mourn and, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds 
of the sky with power and great glory. He will send forth his angels with a great trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of the sky to the other. But of that day and hour, no one knows. What day and hour? His post-trib coming. I'm not a preacher of rapture. And Kirk got it quick. I showed him, hey, look, bro, what's he talking about? What day and hour? I backed up. He goes, got it. Got it. Makes sense. Because uh, it's post-trib. These verses they use point to the post-trib rapture. But what of the argument, though? Well, then how could we know the timing of his coming? Because no one knows the day and the hour. Well, guess what? Uh, the Lord expects us to be watchful. He expects us to be looking at the times. Right now, no one knows the day and the hour. But guess what? There'll come a time where everybody knows the day and the hour. What he's talking about is right now, we don't know the day and the hour. In fact, in Luke chapter 12, that wicked servant who says, my Lord delays his coming and gets drunk with the drunkards and beats the maidservants, he said he's going to come at a day and hour that he doesn't know, he's not aware of, because he's not ready. So we're actually supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be aware. We're supposed to be saying, hey, it's getting closer and closer. Jesus says, when you see these things taking place, look up for your redemption is drawing nigh. We're supposed to use these as signposts so we can be ready for the day and the hour. Now, nobody's going to know exactly the day and the hour. Even when you, the abomination of desolation is set up, you can't count the days and know the exact day and hour because who's going to know the day and hour? But guess what? There's going to be a lot of people who are saying, man, it's been it's, it's, it's got to be close to over. You know, sky's going to be dark and it's going to be hard. You're going to be able to see the sun and the moon. By the way, and we were in Daniel chapter 12. And in Daniel chapter 12, listen to what he says. From the time of the regular sacrifice when it's abolished and the abomination of desolation is set up, there will be 1,290 days. How blessed. Wait, I thought it was 1,260 days. It is. It's the time, times, and half a time. It's uh, 42 months. It's uh, 1,260 days, Revelation chapter 12. But wait, what if, where's this extra 30 days come from? And then verse 12. How blessed is he who keeps waiting and attains to the... 1,335th day. Hmm, interesting. So guess what? We know the rapture is at the end of the age. We know it's immediately after the tribulation those days. How immediate? There's days there. So I think he keeps us guessing a little bit, not knowing exactly the day. Uh, and I think this is important as well. Any post-tribber who would say, well, I'll get ready, or any believer that says, well, when things get worse, you know, I'll get right with God. You're not right with God right when you start to say stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, okay, whether you're pre-mid or post, you know, you're, you're in a huge situation. That's like Constantine saying, I'm not going to be baptized until just before I die. Well, nobody, you say something like that, it's ridiculous because guess what? We don't know we're going to die. The Bible says we're to number our days. The, the God, a heart of wisdom number numbers ways, yeah. your days because our lives are like vapors. We can, we're not promised tomorrow. So we don't know when to die. That's what we should always be ready for is, yes, the coming of the Lord for you could be tomorrow, not in the preacher of rapture, but because you've died. In fact, the scriptures say in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 1, that the wicked stiffen their neck and then they're cut off suddenly without remedy. And the scriptures talk about people dying young all the time because they're rebelling against the Lord. So uh, I would encourage you to look at scripture because the scriptures over and over again talk about being right with God based on the imminency of our death can happen anytime you're not promised tomorrow so guess what anybody that says well the Lord may not come for a little while that's foolish because you could die at any moment and that's what the Lord enjoins upon us to be ready always to be prepared as Amos says be prepared to meet your God and let's make sure our hearts are right and ready with the Lord all the time 
Yeah, and you know what? I, I want to do a quick plug for us because a lot of these issues we've actually tackled at length uh, on entire half hour or even hour shows. In fact, I'm going to let you give a, a short Reader's Digest answer to one question from YouTube. I know we've been going a lot through specifically from our Patreon page, some of the Patreon subscribers. And if you want to become a Patreon subscriber, that'd be awesome. You guys want to come alongside and support us, just go patreon.com slash goodfight. But uh, also on the channel, and this is a very, very common one. And we have a number of pre-trivers. And guys, we do consider this an in-house debate. Yeah, pre-mid or post. You're our brothers and sisters. Now, let's just keep searching the scriptures together. Yeah, and we and we care and we love you guys. And we know that we can have some disagreements and still love each other and recognize. Especially pre-Rathers, man. You're real close to us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, real actually, close. somebody had a question about that. But that'll uh-huh. be for another day. But um, specifically, someone goes and says, hey, and you know it's interesting enough. We've done we have we answer this on two separate shows um, when it comes to the Good Fight Radio Show. We're not going to put it in the description or anything because we're on a live show. But it's something you can find us answering if you just type in Good Fight Radio Show Revelation three ten. But that specific verse is a very very common verse. It is probably one of the more common verses that I see from pre-trib rapture teachers. And I want to get the Reader's Digest version of, or I, I guess I could I, I guess I could say the fleet or the TikTok version answer. I guess if we're trying to modernize that statement. Um, we're trying to get the short answer for Revelation 3.10. They say this verse teaches a pre-trib rapture, that God's going to keep us from the hour of testing by rapturing us out. How do you answer that? That just came in from our YouTube? That folks? came from YouTube. Okay, real quick to our YouTube brothers and sisters. We praise the Lord for you guys. You guys you know, rock the internet at times. I mean, for Jesus, you know, you shake it uh, with God's truth and his word. And we want to let you know, there's the questions that are coming, I'm sure, through YouTube that we're not going to be able to get to because we're answering different questions. Uh, but some of them that come in through YouTube, he's able to get to. As he's talking, he's going to be missing some. But Chad will be able to go through them later, write them down, and we could try to get to all the all the questions uh, in other shows. So we look forward to doing this. But Revelation 3.10, that's a promise to the church at Philadelphia. And it's a promise to a church uh, who's keeping his word. And it's not for those who are in rebellion to God and not, you know, pre-tribbers. Many people, many professing Christians aren't even walking with the Lord. And he says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, or my King James, but modern translation, probably better translation, because thou hast kept the word of my perseverance. Meaning they're persevering in the faith. They're keeping his word. Because thou hast kept the word of my perseverance, I also would keep thee from the hour of tribulation, which will come upon all the earth to try those or test those who dwell on the earth. Okay, so uh, our pre-trib brothers and sisters say, wow, look, this is, this is that one clear verse. Even though it looks like we don't have a verse, here's a verse that says he'll keep us from the hour of tribulation, which will come upon the world for those who have kept his word. Some uh, pre-tribs are partial rapturists where they believe it's just for those diligent, sincere Christians who are keeping his word, but the other ones will be left for the tribulation period. Uh, there's a problem with that. This does not teach that you're exempt from going through trials or exempt from going through the tribulation period. Not at all. In fact, uh, the, this is where, you know, knowing some Greek grammar uh, and, and Greek actually helps you immensely. Uh, the Greek there is kept from, keep you from, is two Greek words, tereo ek, tereo ek. Ek is just ek, okay? That's how we translate the word ek in uh, the Greek, ekklesia, right? Ecclesia is the called out ones, right? Where the church is the ecclesia, the called out ones. But that preposition ek is used hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times throughout the New Testament. And guess what that preposition means? That preposition is used almost every single time, if not every single time, of that which is in a sphere and comes out of the sphere, 
Okay, it's different than apo, A-P-O. Apo uh, is used often of like, for instance, sometimes Greek grammars, uh, introduction to Greek grammars will use like a circle and they'll, they'll illustrate ek with a, a dot in the circle and then a line coming out of it, emergence from within the sphere. Uh, or they'll have a house, you know, and apo will be someone coming out or ek will be someone coming out of the house, right? Where apo will be somebody standing by the house and walking away from it. Apo can mean away from. Ek means out from within. So it's very important to understand this. When he says this, okay, and that's the way it's demonstrated throughout the Koine Greek in the New Testament, that word ek is all, all over the place. In fact, John Walvoord, a leading pre-tribulation teacher, the dean of pre-tribulationism, after Stan Gundry, who was a, uh, a New Testament and Greek teacher at Westmont Bible College in Santa Barbara, not far from where we're at, uh, wrote a whole long dissertation on ek, uh, Walvoord conceded that this verse may not seem to say what we thought it said, basically, because of Gundry's work on the word ek. And it's not just Gundry, you can just look at uh, just basic Greek grammars even. But it's important to understand this, is ek means out from within. So when Jesus says, because thou hast kept the word of my perseverance, you're persevering, I will deliver you out from within the hour of tribulation which is coming upon the world. In other words, guess what? You will go come out and unscathed. I'll protect you because you're keeping my word. I'm going to protect you so you don't fall away. It's actually a great promise. Keep his word. Guess what? Stay. I hope I can endure that time. I hope I can get through it. Well, guess what? Keep his word, man. Faithful in little, faithful in much. Seek him. Keep the word of his perseverance. And he will keep you out of the midst of, bring you out of the tribulation period. It gets even stronger when you look at Revelation chapter 17. Uh, and I've got to try to wind this down real quick. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 12. There's this great multitude that no man can number from every nation, kindred, people, and tongue. And John's asked, you know, who are they? And he says, you know, to the elder. And he says, these are those who come out of the great tribulation. Preposition, ek. They came out of the tribulation. That promise was fulfilled to those believers. One more thing. It's not just ek, it's tereo ek. And it's the words of Jesus. It's tereo ek. And if you got a red letter edition, it's going to be in red, right? Tereoek, because those words tereoek are only coupled together one other time in the whole New Testament. Those two words kept from tereoek in the Greek. And it's in Revelation, or Matthew chapter, or I'm sorry, John, John chapter 17. <laughs> that's right. John chapter 17, verse 15. I you know what Jesus prays? I do not pray, Father, he's praying to the Father, that thou shouldest take them out of the world, like a preacher of rapture, mm, but that thou should what? Keep. Keep them from tereoek, them from the evil one. In other words, you can be kept out, delivered from, without being raptured off the earth. Amen. So the way Jesus uses it is actually the opposite of the idea of being raptured. And again, ek is the, the strength of that both of the arguments there. Wow, I just think, uh, you know, it's really great because I, I do see a lot of comments and, and it's cool. It's really awesome that even if you guys are pre-trip, some of you guys, I see a lot of great answers also from our brothers and sisters in Christ on the YouTube channel on the same thing. So it's really cool to see that. And that's one of my favorites is to see well, that's how I'm doing this. I'm glad it's over. Yeah, now. right. No, I was <laughs> um, I see John being the author. Obviously, ultimately, you know, it's Jesus is the author John, of yeah. Revelation. But both times, it's John recording the words straight of Jesus, uh, both in John chapter 17 and also there in Revelation chapter 3. So, so awesome. All right. So we're switching off a little bit from the end times talk. And we're going to just talk about a couple of, I guess, a lot of these questions kind of go all over the place. So let's just uh, hammer them. I think they're really good. Crystal, one of also our Patreon subscribers, Crystal's asked, she says, a lot of Christians like to say that if there was only one person on earth, Jesus would have died for that one person. I like saying that too. So let's see. She says, this sounds really encouraging, but are there any scripture references to support this, Joe? I would say yes and maybe no. Okay, 
And the reason I say yes, because that's a strong yes. I do believe yes. But I believe maybe no, depending on the context uh, of the situation. The scriptures aren't really clear and don't speak specifically to this issue. But when you ascertain and deduce from inductive study of God's word and look at the character of God and his salvific will, I do believe if there was just one person on earth that the Lord would still die for that person. Uh, I arrive at that because there's many, many scriptures that talk about how great the Lord's love is and that he's not willing that any would perish, that that means any, even that one would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And uh, uh, the scriptures say that he tasted death for everyone, and so he died for each and every person. So I do believe personally that, Crystal, if you were the only one on earth and you're putting your trust in Jesus right now, I think it's, I, I do believe that the Lord would die for you. I don't, I don't even doubt that in my mind because it says he's not partial, right? And it's to him, it's not a collectivist thing to where I got to have so many souls before this is worth it. His love for us is the love of the Father for God so loved the world, right? Uh, it's so immense. I mean, I would say this with the Father, uh, how much does the Father love Jesus? Does he love Jesus enough to rescue him? Uh, well, Jesus is the God man, right? And he answered his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus didn't need to be rescued from sin. But the Father's love for Jesus is so intense. This is beautiful, Crystal. And I love this about the Father. And I love to meditate on his love. Uh, in, in, uh, we're told in the scripture that Jesus goes after that one, that one sheep, right? If there's 99. Why does he just stick the 99? But if one goes astray, we're told, I think it's in Matthew 13, if he finds it, he'll bring it back, right? So this is what's heavy about his love. In John 17, Jesus' in high priestly prayer says, Father, you have loved them, that's us, with the same love with which you have loved me. Now, I can't get my brain around that because it's just such unfathomable love. First John 4, 1 John 4, 16, God is love. Uh, so since God is love and he has the same love for us that he has for his son, which is just magnificent, uh, and he loves his son so much, if there's one person, just one person on earth, I believe he would have sent his son for that person because Jesus said he speaks the words that the Father gives him, he always obeys the Father, and so forth. And when he becomes a man, the works the works he does are a mirror of who the Father is. And you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He has the same heart. Uh, and it's not just the Father's love, it's the love of Jesus. It says, unto him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. That's the King James. Better translation is the NSB, who released us from our sins by his own blood because he loved us. Now check this out. When I say yes, it's a strong yes, yes. For you, Crystal, yes, I believe that. But if there's one sinner, right, and that sinner is in rebellion to God and never comes to, G to the Lord and rejects him, I would say this. If there's just one sinner, right, uh, and God knows that that person would never come to him. Of course, this is all so hypothetical, right? So we really can't know other than I'm letting you know what my heart would be in, 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 in reflecting what we know about the Lord in Scripture and his salvation plan. But if there was just one uh, sinner that went astray and he gave himself for him and knew that person would come to him like you have, Crystal, I believe he would. However, let's say there is a wicked man who refuses to repent and God knows he, that's just one person and he's going to refuse to repent and never come to him. Well, why would God create this world at all? Because it says Jesus endured the cross and the hostility that was against him in Hebrews 10 because of the, or Hebrews chapter 12, because of the, because of the joy that was set before him. 
He knew he would have his bride. He knew, you know what I'm saying? So how, why would he go through such anguish? It tells us because the joy set before him, right? He knew that we would, he would win his bride. But if he has one person, he knows that person's going to reject him. Why would the father ever put his son through that if, guess what, nobody would ever come to him and accept his gracious provision? I, I would posit that he wouldn't create this world in the first place if, because the objective would be zero and it'd be having his son go through excruciating pain and, and torment uh, without a prize at the end. So, so that's why I say yes, a hard yes for you, Crystal, and every other believer. Uh, but no, if it was just one believer that the Lord knew was going to reject him. Uh, but then I say that with a uh, with humility, saying I don't know for sure <laughs> because God's mind is past finding out. Amen. And so, I, so I don't know for absolutely sure, but I, but from th- that's what I would think if I had to give an answer. And Chad kind of put me in the spot here. That's my answer. <laughs> amen. Amen. <clears throat> So, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited for this next question. Here it is. It says, I would like to know in what capacity will we continue our relationship with our spouse in heaven? I know Jesus said there will be no marriage in heaven, which has always been a source of sadness for me because I love my husband so much and he's my best friend. I know our focus will be on the Lord in heaven, but I hate to think I won't have a relationship with my husband anymore. I know there won't be a need for sexual relations, which is fine, but I wonder if we will be able to remain together as companions. To my knowledge, there are no scriptures that shed light, uh, any light on this, but thought I'd ask anyways. Also, what will become of our family unit? Assuming the spouses and children are all believers, will we no longer be a family in heaven? Chad, I know you're looking at what people are saying and everything, but since you get asked that a lot, I want you to answer as well. Okay. Well, you know what? Would this, you, what would you say? This is the answer I give my wife, and not that is always. Uh, it obviously doesn't suffice because <laughs> she uh, comes back with the question again. That really loves you. My wife asked me, "Do I have to hang out with you?" <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, the question is is a serious one because one of the things I like to do with scripture is obviously when it comes to the afterlife, I like to see where do we have specific instances of humans recognizing other humans. In fact, even in with Lazarus and the rich man in Luke chapter 16, we see quite clearly that Lazarus recognizes and the rich man recognizes both Lazarus, right, and even Abraham. And they recognize even the ones that are not going to eventually be in the new heaven and new earth with Jesus. They actually recognize those in Hades at that time who eventually mm-hmm. will be in hell. They actually do recognize the people there that were in paradise and will eventually also be went into the presence of the Lord. So, recognition is one thing. You will recognize people mm-hmm. in heaven, without a doubt. We can't get around that. You, they were even, remember the Mount of Transfiguration. They recognized. Yep, Elijah you know, and Moses. Elijah I was Moses, just thinking about that one. And they had never even met them. They didn't right? have big name tags. I'm Moses. Hi. <laughs> exactly. I'm Elijah. Hello. I'm, I'm sure maybe there's some God help enlightened in there, you know, or maybe he had like, he was walking around with tablets. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, the answer that I've given my wife uh, when it comes to this is the fact that whatever love that I'm going to, that I have for her right now, and I do love my wife and she loves me and I could not imagine life without uh, my bride. But the thing is, I know without a doubt, my resurrected body, I know when I'm not tainted by sin whatsoever, that when it comes to however I love her in heaven, it will be far greater than any relationship that I have with her now. And I know that sounds bad, and I know what my, my wife's rejoinder uh, it happens to be, which is, yeah, but you'll love maybe if your ex-girlfriend gets into heaven or something. But the truth is, is no, that the, love, the same kind of love for her, kind of love for her yeah. than for everyone else. Yeah, let's get that straight. But the fact is, 
is that we I will love her better than I love her here on earth. You because, mean you'll consistently take out the trash then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm actually not that great at that. So, uh, but yes, I will love her and she will love me. And even though I will love others, one, just Jesus said, even here on earth, right? Our love for one another is so different that it should draw the outside world to, to knowing Christ. But even though all of that, whatever love that I have for her, whatever relationship I have with her in heaven, will even be far greater than what we have here uh, in our capacity in the flesh. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.